All right, let's pray. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice, harden not your hearts, Psalm 95, 7, and 8. O God, who sends forth your commandments on the earth, and whose word runs very swiftly, let your Holy Spirit so prepare our minds and wills for your teaching that no carelessness or shallowness or love of ease shall hinder us from bringing forth the fruits of righteousness by which all men may know that we are followers of your blessed Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, here we go. Uh, interesting week. Um, it started with, uh, after this meeting last week, uh, there was a brilliant two-hour exchange uh, with the elders, leaders, and governing board with Pastor Solomon. And, uh, I took him around to see some parsonages. We had a very brief dinner, put him on a plane. Um, there was a week in negotiations back and forth. I am very sad to say that on Friday, uh, I received an email that he's withdrawn his name and taken the call to Cadillac, Michigan. I read to you this letter. Dear members of St. John, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for your kindness shown to me this past weekend. It was truly a joy to be with you and discuss ministry opportunities toward your new facility. Indeed, you have a unique opportunity to impact your entire community as you provide new and innovative resources to serve families in your area. However, I informed Pastor Bruzek of my decision to accept the call to serve as pastor in Cadillac, Michigan, although this has been a difficult decision, especially as we consider the tremendous possibilities to pre presented to St. John and Wheaton. My family and I are convinced that the Holy Spirit would have us serve in a smaller congregation at this time and work with God's people there. Again, I want to thank you for your kindness and encourage you to support one another. Uh, to support Pastor Bruzek and support these new ministry opportunities. St. John is uniquely positioned to do something very few congregations can do, grow the church the old-fashioned way through faithful preaching, teaching, and ministry, both in church and community. May God richly bless you. Uh, that bum, Salmanen. <laughs> well, he didn't sign it that way. I just added that in. <clears throat> uh, all right, so here we go. Um, we need to talk a little bit. And all those people who skipped Bible class today think they'd heard it all before? Okay. All right, so here we go. I will tell you, I had a very long Friday. Uh, this came about noon or so. Uh, let, me just, let, me just, let me just run through a few things. So I've written you know, different notes all week and long about this. Um, here are some bright spots. One is, we really struck a chord with this idea. I don't know if there's anything else since I've been here where I had so many people say, this is just the right thing to do, okay? It's a fascinating exercise for me. Um, and that was productive. I, I'm not sure I had, have had as much positive feedback on any idea since I've been here. Uh, so that makes me have to think then, there may still be a way to go after this. Um, I'll fill you in on the details in a bit, but I don't know what that means, to be real honest with you. Um, I'm absolutely certain there's a need, and what was fascinating to listen to in this congregation 
was the more professional experience that you have with families in this area, uh, the more convinced you are that this was a need. So I'll just say to you, the people who wrote me were people like teachers and principals and nurses and social workers and people who had therapeutic connections in some way. And I found that to be fascinating. Because for some of us, you know, we say, well, we're not sure that we should do this. Is this the right thing? Yeah, the Bible Church writes a letter and says the same thing, but can we be sure of that? The really interesting thing was um, that there was sort of universal agreement that this is needed. So let's just kind of set that on the side for a moment, okay? But it's a bright spot. I mean, one, one bright spot is you have a good idea, and uh, people all nod along and say, yeah, that's an idea. Number two. Um, you should always remember that success means uh, best effort. I mean, the simple definition of success is best effort. And I've said to you a million times since I've been here, uh, it's not important that you be the best. It's very important that you do your best. And uh, you remember the bit in Bible study where best is defined in Scripture as love for other people, a thoroughgoing obedience, and a deep maturity. And so uh, it's been a stunning uh, couple of months. Um, you know, I, I started thinking about this in early December. I started writing it up just before Christmas. You know, we got down to St. Louis, you know, immediately after the first of the year. Um, for, I just want to say thanks to the leaders of the congregation. Uh, our governing board and elders really went the extra mile in a very short period of time. And that's really a good thing. I want to even say more about that. I think um, the most positive thing for me, when Gary Grotke gave his summary, if you were here, about the REC, the best thing, the best thing that was said in that entire summary, and for me it made everything in the past five years or six years worth it, the best thing that Gary Grotke said was, we never took a vote in five years. Now here's the cool thing. Um, a lot of those guys on that committee, and it's grown to 15, 16, 17 people, they're all the smartest guy in the room. I mean, every last one of them is the smartest guy in the room. And it was, it's fascinating uh, to see that committee respect each other and um, come to consensus where people had to give in and not hold their own point of view over a long period of time and all remain friends. I thought that was the best thing I'd ever seen in the church until the past two months when I saw it again in this group. So that is a very hopeful sign. Um, in some churches, when people don't get their way, they cut and run. Uh, or they throw chairs at each other in a voters meeting, or they, I mean, you've all been there. I mean, you've all been there. You've all seen it. Um, now, I've got to see this twice now, when the stakes were extremely high, which just tells you a load about your leaders. It tells you that you've got the right people in the right places at the right time. Um, it was fascinating, you know. It was really fascinating. Another thing, it's very difficult to do all this publicly. 
it's very difficult for me to stand in front of you and say, you know, this didn't work and I have to do it publicly. It would have been more fun for me if I could have done it uh, on my, did I ever tell you about my first job at Merrill Lynch? <laughs> Little aside. So I'm, I'm there about, I'm there about a month. I worked on this, I wanted to work on the options floor. I wanted to buy a seat and trade options. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so I worked on a special handling desk for Merrill Lynch. And I can remember my boss, Jim Zeckman, saying to me, um, go buy 100 Honeywell at 35, go, boom. So I go out, take it to the guy, says, buy him. Okay, bring it back. I said, bought 135s. He's like, great, I told you to sell 135s. Okay, now have you seen trader guys when they take their necktie and go like this? Oh, I'm hung, I'm hung. Yeah, okay, so I run back out to the place and I say to the guy, you gotta undo this, and he says, too late, stock's moved. And I'm like sweating bullets now because 100 is a lot and you know. So I take it back to Jimmy Zeckman. Jimmy Zeckman says, he gives me a little eye roll, but he still liked me at that point. And then he said, uh, I'll fix it. And he calls New York and does this. <laughs> Hangs up the phone and he says, it's okay. Okay, now I don't know what he did, <laughs> but it was okay. And it was at that moment I realized the difference between bosses and people who work for bosses, which is, um, you know, when you work for somebody, all your mistakes are public. When you're the boss, you do this, and it's all okay. Well, I mean, it's impossible for me to do that in the church. I mean, everything gets on the table uh, at some point or another. So one of the difficulties, uh, and also one of the joys of this, is that this whole negotiation is public. You know, if we'd have done the whole thing privately for two months, and it hadn't worked out, you'd have never heard about it. So it's more difficult when we engage everybody, get everybody all jacked up, feel like, yeah, we got the right people in the right positions, and yeah, this is gonna work out, and the money comes through, and the leaders act really, really, uh, they act really, really well, and they gain a lot of consensus, and they ask all the hard questions, and they spend, I mean, there must have been five or six extra meetings of a couple hours each. Uh, there are a lot of people pulling hard, and then for it not to work, you know, it's difficult, but, um, it's the way the church works, so it's a good thing. And uh, I think I told you once, I said this in a Bible study two years ago, um, but maybe now's the time for you to remember it. I do remember uh, saying to you once, I would love to be pastor of a church where I could fail once in a while. And I remember reading, um, there's a fascinating article, you know, that the car companies are struggling in Detroit. There's a fascinating article by, that I read uh, by the head of R&D at GM where he said, if we don't throw out nine of every 10 ideas, I've got the wrong guys working for, you, for me and we're not doing our job. So one of the interesting things, um, we've come to a point where, you know, in a, in a way you could describe this as a failure. Um, I don't know if you would describe it that way. I don't know if I would either because I've learned so much across the course of the process and there's so much good stuff. Um, you know, a passing glance that looks like a failure. That's always difficult, uh, but I'll just say to you, it was a pretty cool run. So, um, we need to figure out, you know, what to do next. It's really difficult, I think, to find anybody to blame. Um, I, I ask you not to think ill of Brian. I, I, I'm gonna deconstruct his letter for you. Um, this is the Bruzek interpretation of it, and you can take it for what it's worth. Um, I think that uh, one of the questions I asked Brian upstairs last Sunday was, um, is there anybody else who does this besides you? 
in the whole Missouri Senate is there anybody else? And he couldn't think of anybody, and frankly, I couldn't think of anybody either. Now that tells you something. Part of what it tells you about Brian is, is that for the last 20 years, you know, he's been a pastor, and then he was a seminary professor, and then, by the way, will you be head of the counseling service, and by the way, will you run all this stuff on the side, and by the way, will you write papers, and will you also, he's just tired, to be real honest with you. And I'm, I'm gonna just, my own personal evaluation of this is that um, he just said in one, in one conversation this week, and this isn't for repetition, he just said, you know what? I just need to be out of the spotlight for a while. And I think it was very clear from our meeting um, here last Sunday and then upstairs that we, you know, we not only had the spotlight on him, we had the rubber hoses out, you know. I mean, it was very clear that we were saying to him, this is a big deal, this is a big need, a lot of things have to fit together, and by the way, none of us know how to do it, and you need to run this, come on, let's go. So I think, I think he's come to a point where people have just pushed him to the point where he has said, uh, that's a great idea and I'm a great fit and I don't have the juice to do it right now. And I think that for a guy to know himself that well, I think that's an honest response. You know, I think besides the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, he has a wife who uh, loves Michigan and, uh, and an elderly mother there. Um, you know, that's a trinity. I don't think it's a holy trinity. <laughs> uh, it, may, it may be an unholy trinity in this particular case. So I think it may be, you know, a couple of things that, that sort of all come together. But I, I ask you not to think ill of him, and also, from what I've said, not to think ill of our leaders. I mean, it was just uh, one of the cool things is that stress, uh, you know, stress can break people, but it can also bring out the best in people. And it's been really it's been fascinating to watch the last run over the past few months bring out the absolute best in a whole bunch of people. So I'm really grateful for that and um, for, you know, for all that hard work. It, it was good. Now, what's next? And I haven't had a lot of time to think about this. Um, yeah, what's next? Uh, here's the thing. All the pieces came together with Brian because it wasn't, um, you know, it was the spot and the money and the move and the fit and, by f and the theology. And particularly, I observe in Brian, there, I know some of you wrote me, a few, I had a few nervous emails about, um, gosh, can you trust a guy who's got a degree in therapy? I, I get the question. I completely get the question. <clears throat> one of the cool things about Brian was, is, one of the cool things about Brian is that he has the same ability that I see in many of the leaders here, which is the gospel comes first, and then they're able to draw all of their sort of earthly resources into the service of the gospel. So I never had a qualm about Brian theologically because I always knew that the gospel was first and then all the therapeutic stuff that he learned was in service to that. In the same way, like the REC committee or the governing board, all these people who have all these talents from business and you know, lawyers and engineers and bankers, the gospel always comes first with them and they draw that in. So the difficult thing is to try to find um, 
what to do next. I know that you know, this week when this word sort of leaks out, and I'll try to write something concise for the bulletin next week, I know what will happen. I'll have 14 people who will write me and say, you know, I have a cousin once that failed out of a master's program at the University of Dayton in marriage therapy, but she's looking for a job and maybe you could use her. Okay? And my answer is, you know, the fit, the person, the theology, the money, you know, I don't know if I could make it all work. So what I'm doing with this is I'm just sort of putting this, I'm just sort of putting this right here, and I'm going to glance at it a couple times a day and think about it. Um, I will welcome your thoughts about it. I mean, part of being a grown-up is to know that, you know, bad as I hate to be one, uh, part of being a grown-up is to, to move through disappointments and to sort of say, now how can we figure this out? So if this is really as strong a need as I thought it was, I need to think about other possibilities. But I'll also say to you that, um, you know, I got Brian's letter, email, about noon on Friday. And then uh, Matt Harrison called me mid-afternoon, I don't remember, uh, to kind of console me, I think, uh, which is very kind. And before he said anything, I said, um, I said, thanks for calling. He said, you know, I'm sorry that Brian's going to go a different direction. And I said, just so you know, um, you know, you're not on the hook to us for anything. One of the good things about doing uh, business with people on a handshake is that it moves very quickly and it's very honorable. But when the deal comes apart, the other half is that you say to people, thanks very much and uh, I know you don't owe me anything. And so basically I said to Matt, you know, the half a million dollars you were going to give us, I know, I know that you're not on the hook for that and, you know, I mean, I, it's all yours, it's back and figure it out. I'll also say to those of you who have contributed toward this particular thing, uh, either contributed already or have promised money, you're off the hook too. And you know who you are, and you can speak with me individually, and I will um, give you the money back or redirect it, okay? Because it was given for a specific thing, and I get that, and it was $90,000 already, and that's a lot of money, and we will work it out. So Matt's off the hook. You're off the hook. That's the only way to do business honorably. If you don't do it that way, you can no longer do things on a handshake, okay? Life is great when you look people in the eye and they keep their word, okay? And that's what I want to be. Matt wants to be. Brian wants to be. You want to be. That's the way we're going forward. So um, everything is squared up, I suppose, back to where it was on the 15th of December. However, of course, while I had Matt on the phone, I said, you know, there might be some other possibilities, like um, one of the things that Matt said was in his Saturday seminar, he said there's no uh, National Lutheran Hospice care in all of America. I know there's some people in this room who have hospice experience, and actually I want to talk to you. I know a couple of you are here. I saw you walk in. I want to talk to you about this is an act of mercy in our community, whether St. John has a place doing that. So any of you have experience, will you please get to me? Because there's money to be had for that. I also said, I'll just be real honest, you know, we're talking about how the school works. I'm just putting all my cards on the table now, and, you know, don't hold me to anything, but I'll just tell you, I know there's 100 Africans who have been settled down the street by World Relief in those apartments, and I know there's 30 or 40, 50 African kids, and so I said to Matt, 
you know, it's about uh, $5,000 to educate a kid. Let's say there's 50 kids down there. I'd like to pay tuition for 50 African kids to my school. And there was a long pause. <laughs> I think probably he did the numbers in his head. Um, or he said, um, well, there's, there's a number of things that were said, but another one was, uh, Lithuania is the place that has the famous uh, deaconess houses where they do thoroughgoing acts of mercy. And there's a lot of pieces involved, like Lithuanians in Chicago give a lot of money and want to see that extended. And the way it worked in Lithuania was there was a, a, a count or a king, uh, I'm not sure which, who had, he had a daughter who was disabled. And um, the Lutheran deaconesses in Lithuania uh, gave brilliant care to his daughter in her life and then in her death. And when he died, he left everything to the deaconesses. And these deaconesses are the social service infrastructure of Lithuania. It's fascinating because the church then is known as the place where people get care. And there's, we've talked off and on over the past year about bringing such a model here uh, to the states, maybe to St. John, and what that would mean. See, this all fits together then with, maybe we do something with the Lutheran home if we move next door. Now see, I'm, again, I have to do my business publicly, so don't come back to me in six months and say, what happened to the top two floors that were gonna be hospice on top of the first four floors of the Lutheran home that you said you were gonna build on the spot so we could go to the Bible church? I mean, I know what I'm saying, and I'm just, I'm thinking out loud because part of my thing is I gotta do my business publicly because it's gotta get in your consciousness and I gotta carry on here. But out of that, then Matt said, <clears throat> hey, why don't you get uh, 12 people to go to Lithuania for a work camp this summer and they can work at the deaconess house and figure it out and see if it's good for St. John. Can you get 12 guys to go? And then I might have said something like, yeah, if you pay for it. So uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to go to Lithuania this summer, <clears throat> you might you know, come and talk to me. Uh, but you can kind of get a feel for how these things work, okay? There's sort of this back and forth of there's needs and you're there and what needs do you have? And they can't really tell us what the needs of our community are. We have to figure that out. But if we figure that out, they'll be partners with us in pretty much anything we do because we have a strong enough reputation for that. I will say, uh, and one thing that we discounted thoroughly in our discussions, and Matt, um, through the phone, kind of grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me. Um, one of the things that we really discounted was the development officer idea in the congregation. Churches our size and larger, this is just the done thing. They understand now that there's all this money out there waiting to be spent and nobody's asking for it. And Matt really, you know, he sort of took four minutes to sort of say, you really need to understand that this is what you need to do. In fact, he's, they're so far down the line that their, their office has written already two grants for us to get a development office. I had them in my email this morning. Here are the grants. All you need to do is file them. But in order to file them, you have to have a target. You have to say, we will do this. Okay? So this is a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. We'll give you the money to have this person if this person has a task. Until you have the task, you don't have the person. Got it? So he sort, of, he sort of said to me, if you're going to play at the next step, you really need to think about what it means to play at the next step. Um, 
So I just put that out there because we just, we really need to think about whether, I know I just was in touch um, the last two weeks with a church, a large church in Hales Corner, Wisconsin. Um, the guy called and asked a favor, and then when I figured out who he was, I asked for a favor back. Uh, my favor was that he had just gotten 100000 he was the new development guy in Thrive and had just given him $100,000 for his first year. Okay, so I said, uh, uh, could I see that grant application? <laughs> uh, which he sent to me, and then which we've polished up and changed the names and protected the usual suspects and have it set up for go to St. John. It needs to be filed by the 6th of August. Okay, so there's possibilities for these things. So, I mean, what are the, I mean, the bright spots out of this are we learned a lot about ourselves. One is we found out a really cool thing. Two is we found out our leaders are honorable, faithful, and work hard. Three is we found our congregation can actually move fairly quickly with fairly good ideas without killing each other. That was a good thing to know. Fourth is we're able to kind of absorb this disappointment. And fifth is then we need to lift our heads up and move on to the next thing. And the next thing there are endless possibilities. So I sort of put the marriage and family thing on the shelf till I can figure out a person to help me with that. But there are all these other things and they all need to be coordinated with what happens next door. I will say to you what I said before, which is um, if we go to the Bible church, it's a whole new day. And uh, 208 is right now. I mean, 08, it's right now. I mean, we can't wait till the middle of 08 to decide what the new thing is. We gotta hit the ground running there. We gotta do new things and we gotta do them right now. Um, I will just add one other thing, that the root word of scholarship, scola, means the leisure to think. And that is the thing I have the least of right now. Um, the way we're staffed right now and the way things are going, it's a push and pull of, you know, it's just turning around and putting out a fire every minute. Somehow, with the leaders here, we need to sit down quietly Scola, the leisurely time to think, and actually put together a comprehensive package of where we're going and what we're going to do. So I just sort of put that out there as borderline stuff. Last thing, um, I have come to realize this um, more and more in the past uh, couple of years, that the Lord intends nothing but good for you and for me. And uh, one of the things you can't really figure out in advance is how the Lord is going to bless you. You just can't really, you can't really anticipate something like what happened over the last two months. Um, now you can't figure out, you can't anticipate the outcome either. Had, were I the anticipator, I would have anticipated a very different outcome. <laughs> but uh, you know, you just can't really figure out. And I'm, I always have Arthur just, um, words in my ear now, those Kenyan deaconesses, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. So uh, we, need to, we need to remember, and this is uh, you know, not a cavalier way of speaking, that's sort of Pollyannish, you know, it all sort of works out, that's not it. It is a much more realistic viewpoint that says, come what may I'm in God's hands, or we do our best, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't, whether they work or whether they don't, the Lord intends good for me and intends to bless me. So now the fun is, we've got to figure out the next step on where and how the Lord intends to bless us. Okay, there you go, big breath. <sighs> got questions? Talk about anything? Got a little bit of time, 15 minutes. I'm sorry, yes please.
Um, nobody is doing it now that I know of. I think primarily because we've had our hands so full with the ideas that we had that we knew would work, you know. But it is, I think, the next step. I don't know, uh, one, of the, one of the really good questions that was raised about, you know, this whole family life project was, were we going to duplicate services in the community? We really wanted not to duplicate services. We wanted to tr either offer alternative services or train people to work in services available. <coughs> we need to do that. <coughs> but I will say to you, if you have something, I say this to all of you, if you have something that you really think we should be doing, um, you should probably talk to me. Because if you feel passionate about a particular thing, you probably have already identified a need that a broader, no, I'm not saying about you, but just in general, if you feel passionate about something in the community, you've probably already identified a need um, that would spare us from doing you know, a broader generic demographic kind of study. Here's just the other thing. <clears throat> I think we really have to be careful here to focus our fire. Uh, one of the great things about you, one of the problems with you is you're also bright and accomplished and successful. And so that means you think independently, and that means you hardly ever agree on what we should be doing precisely. I mean, if there's 150 people in this room right now, there's 150 directions to go. What we need to do is sort of agree that we're going to do a few things really, really well. Now, the, the, the canvas is blank, friend. I mean, the canvas is blank. What do you want to do? Because I think what this exercise over the past couple months has taught us is that if we're passionate and if we find the right people, the money comes. I always tell people to think about the money last. When kids come to me and say, I got in, I don't think I'll apply to Harvard because uh, I won't be able to pay for it. Um, first, I thrash them, and then after I give them smelling salts, I try to explain to them that you always think about the money last. If you think about the money first, you'll never do anything. You think about the money last. Now, when you get to the money point, you think about it, right? But you think about it last, because otherwise, you end up saying, well, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. And then if you play basketball for future, he makes you run if you say, I can't. So, yeah, well, any basketball parent understands that, right? For future, if you say, I can't, you have to run. Uh, if I could make you run, I would. So anyway, thank you very much. Um, it needs to be done, but I think there might be enough anecdotal evidence here or interest that might, you know, but it's a, it's a, great, it's a great point. Thanks. Anything else? Go ahead, Dan. Um, maybe this is a real estate committee but there, there's this, this uh, due diligence period. Yeah. And, and there, there's several people in, in this room that could help with that due diligence, I would think. Right. Is there going to be opportunity for some of us to help out? Because I, I, I do know that your plate is, is completely full. Well, I'm not, I don't do it. I think um, it is a real estate question, which is pretty unrelated to anything I've talked about. Uh, I think they have people in spots for all the, all the spots that are being taken care of. I think, just, this is just a short thing, but the real estate committee, sometimes people say, why are people on the real estate committee? And the answer is, when we needed a lawyer, we asked a lawyer. When we needed an environmental specialist, we asked an environmental specialist. When we needed an insurance specialist, we asked an insurance specialist. That, that committee grew by spe specialties. And so now we come to the end of this line where we say, and I, I missed the last meeting because it was the same night as my new member, but essentially what happened in the meeting was they said, okay, 
it's time to turn all the loose to do your specialties. So I think they're, I think they're in good shape. Um, anyway, other questions? Yes, please. It was, it was a blast. I mean, I mean Brian, one of his notes, said, I, he said, I'm, I'm sure everybody will be, he said, I'm sure you're mad and I'm sure everybody there will be mad. And I said, you know what? I'm too old and tired to be mad at anybody at this point. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be mad about anything again. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, is I just, just what you, it was such a, when I stood back from it on Saturday and kind of looked at the process, I was so proud of the process. It was so cool what happened. It was so great. I mean, people played hard, they played nice, they played on short notice, it was great. And so, I mean, that really speaks to the character of this congregation, and especially the people who are in leadership here. I mean, most pastors would kill for the 20, 30, 40, 50 people that are in leadership in this place. I mean, I'm just so happy to have people like this in place. It was great, it was just great. Yeah, it's stressful, and yeah, I'm tired, and yeah, I wish it would've worked out. But you know what? It was such a cool thing to watch. It was so cool to watch. So, yeah, thanks. Yes, please. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. I think I didn't say on the shelf intentionally. I think I just said to putting it right here. On the shelf was in, and you may have read my mind. It was on the shelf and I didn't say it because I just, on the shelf means it goes away. I'm just putting it kind of in my vision right here, okay? <clears throat> Here's the thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can think of one other person who might be able to do it actually. Um, yeah, besides Dr. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> <coughs> the problem is she lives in Idaho with her, with her, with her, with her family. Um, what I want to do is, I mean, I just put all my cards on the table. I, what, I'm going to talk to the governing board about this later. I think one of, the problems with, um, one of the problems with churches and one of the constraints I feel is a lack of um, flexibility. Um, there's normally two things that go into that lack of flexibility. One is how churches make decisions. The other is how churches fund. Uh, one of the things I've learned over the course of the past few months is, you know what? 
this group of leaders in this congregation can be extremely flexible. The other thing is, is we're going to have a round of retirements here, and I'm not talking about the spots of Pastor Allen and Reardon. I'm talking about Eifert's place, which is still unfilled. Um, I have to kind of go through this slowly now, but it'd be Eifert's place, Schleck's place, Waterman's place, and I think there's another one in there too, where there's sort of a pool of money, and frankly, I'm going to say to the governing board on Tuesday night, if you're here, governing board people, if you're here, you're going to hear me say this again or remind me to say it, which is I'm going to ask if we can sequester that pool of money uh, and use it in a more intelligent and flexible fashion that would allow us to fund things for short period of times or be flexible or put three people over there or try this or try it while we're trying to get a grant and if we get a grant we move it back over here as opposed to having some sort of governmental fear that if you don't spend it you lose it. Okay. Now the developmental thing the reason people are urging us to do that is that they know, especially in a church with a school. Now, I love our school. Our school's about half our budget. Um, that's, a, that's a top priority, okay? Now, the thing is, though, you can't say to yourself, well, you're, not gonna, you're gonna do less of the church or less in the school in order to do these new things. What you wanna say is, we wanna do this, we wanna do that, we wanna do both these things well, and hey, how about should we do some new things too? How do you fund those new things? Part of it is, I mean, I'll just give you an example. Um, Paul Kinker called me two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and he said, I'm meeting with a woman who wants to get a half a million dollar grant and a $250,000 grant. I'm meeting with the guy in New Orleans as they walk through the rubble of Katrina on Saturday. It's Thursday. If you have a grant to me by, I can't remember. It was like, but it was like, if you, it, it's Thursday, it must have been Wednesday. He said, it's Wednesday, because I remember talking to the elders about this. It's Wednesday, and if you write a grant proposal, one page, um, uh, meeting these criteria by tomorrow, I'll present it as one of six proposals, okay? So I dropped everything and wrote this thing. Why? Because this woman wants to give $750,000 away right now today, and we can get in line for it, okay? Apparently that's happening all over the place, and apparently we're blind to it. So how does this work? You know, getting an idea and getting the money, and which is gonna come first and how are we gonna do that? I think the leaders in the congregation need to have a very cogent conversation about that. Maybe this is a thing we should do. Maybe we think that if we put $100,000 up for a full blast grant developer person, that'll come back to us in spades. Maybe it will, we need to talk about that. You know? And I know that, I didn't know, actually, I saw you and I didn't know you were sitting there until I looked down, but I know that you have some experience with this kind of thing, with the hospice end of it, of course. So I need to talk to you about this. I'm learning on the fly. Yes, please. Right. Thank you. That was the whole acts of mercy bit from last weekend in about four sentences. Yes, you're exactly right. Here's the thing that I'll say to you. Your next question, if you're clever, would be, why did it take so long to get there? <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, and I'll be real honest with you, because when I came here nine years ago, you weren't ready to say that. 
and you didn't say it to me nine years ago. And now that you're willing to say it, I'm able to act on it. I said it to you nine years ago when I talked about the seven things. It was, the, it was number six, acts of mercy, and seven was words of witness. It's taken nine years to get there. But that you can now tell me, Bruzek, why don't you get on your horse and do this? Of course, I'm going to go home and say, I'm going to go back to my office. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Right? So bless you, my child. This is exactly where we need to be. No, I'm serious. Thank you very much. I think you're exactly right. And I think that this congregation has the doctrinal foundation to pull those things in service of the gospel. And I think that they have the maturity to not always think about themselves. I think what you understand is that it's not about you. Okay? I think you get that. And that opens up the world to what we could possibly do. Want to go to Lithuania? Good, you're in. Going to Cadillac as assistant pastor. I do understand. Yeah, now that was pretty cool how fast he got here. Um, you're very kind. Um, I think the elders. The elders care for me well, and I think that they get it. Um, sometimes in life there's nothing you can do, and Sunday comes. I will say I spent um, three or four hours yesterday working on uh, call committees. Uh, and I think on Tuesday evening that uh, I suspect what's going to happen at Governing Board on Tuesday is that call committees will be established for two pastors and a principal. And I think then, um, I'll just say to you, um, this is the best vicar I've ever seen. And if it wasn't for him, I'd be dead. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, uh, And I, I will say, you know, things sort of pay off in their own way. So Burkholz is sitting over there, too. Now, who would have known that, uh, you know, seven years ago when Burkholz was a summer intern, he'd finish up and go off to Australia and be back here to do a PhD and then, you know, come out every weekend. You know, um, our RPMs are up a little bit high right now, but I don't know another way to go about it. 
Um, I just, I don't know what else to do, to be honest with you. There's a lot of things that are time sensitive right now. When the Bible church calls and says, you have 60 days to do a contract, our choice is we can do a contract or we cannot do a contract, so we do it. Um, you know, when Matt says, you can have half a million dollars if you can make it work in the next 60 days, you know, your choice is you can do it or you cannot do it. I take your point. Um, I trust myself to the elders. And uh, we shall see, we shall see what happens. I mean, we'll figure out, we'll see what the Lord does. But you're very kind. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the elders? I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen enough. Can I, can I go with that woman right there? That would be good. What's your name again? Your face looks vague. You have a dog, don't you? Yes, it's starting to come back to me. You're very kind. Thank you. Point taken. Okay. It's almost 11. Anything else? Yeah, please. I will say, uh, I'm sorry, I will say, I'll say pay attention to the vicar's sermon, A, today, and two, then I'll say to you, um, you know, as long as I got a, a bunch of you in the room, um, I'll be expecting to hear from you too, and anybody else of similar sentiment. I share your 
uh, concern for that. And I do think, uh, and I've probably talked to five or six other people just this week who share that similar concern. And I think it's the right concern. Um, and I think there's a bunch of people who actually would like to do that and would have fun at it. I just, you know what? Forget about the real estate for a second. In a, in a, and it's very interesting how, how you know, your comments and Eunice's comments and your comments all sort of fit together with, with, you may not be able to see it when you look in the mirror, but to stand where I stand and look at the church, there's just been this, there's been this adolescent spurt of, of uh, growth spurt in faith here and maturity. And I think where what you just said might have fallen on deaf, deaf ears five years ago, I think today it doesn't fall on deaf ears, which is a real positive, I think it's a real positive development. So, um, you know, don't despair. All is well. Uh, we, sort of, we sort of press on. Are we going to have church? Here you go. Thir Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord continually. His praise will always be on my lips. In the Lord I will glory. The humble shall hear and be glad. Oh, glorify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord's help, and he answered me. He set me free from all my terrors. Look toward him and shine with joy. No longer hang your heads in shame. Lord, remember us in your kingdom. Teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, next week, Transfiguration. So no Bible study, but the week after, back to First Peter, okay? Come back. Find your Bible. Come back.